0: This podcast was created by Startup Victoria and Victoria University. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. When things go wrong, duct tape can hold just about anything together, and when you're starting and growing a business. A lot of things can go wrong. Welcome to Duct Tape, a podcast mini series exploring how startup founders tackle unexpected problems. We call them duct tape moments, those make or break situations that force you to get creative, to think quick and act quicker, to keep the show on the road. And the truth is, every founder has them. I'm Lara Chan Baker, the producer and editor of Duct Tape, and you are about to meet your interviewer for today.
1: I'm so excited, by the way. I'm, I'm going to listen to your podcast immediately after this. I love it because you are saying all the stuff that you wouldn't want to say in a public forum in a public
0: <laughs> forum. That is Poppy Truella, who you first heard in Episode 4. As the Director of Programs and Partnerships at Startup Victoria, everything she does centres on making sure founders have access to the best support the ecosystem has to offer. She leads Startup Vic's thriving industry partner network and growth club an invite-only program for Victoria's most successful scale-up founders. Poppy has spent quite literally thousands of hours in conversation with world-leading entrepreneurs, and today she's chatting to two fierce feminists on a mission
2: the day of the upload and we're like, oh God, is this happening?
3: Are we, are we really doing this? My um, seven-year-old grandmother listened to a podcast about like female masturbation and I was like,
0: I know you're trying to be supportive, but please don't ever listen to an episode. And that's Sage Mellet and Alyssa Carp, long-term besties and co-founders of Peach Pack. Sage and Alyssa met during their gap year and instantly hit it off. They have the kind of friendship we all dream of, like Romeo and Michelle or Broad City's Abby and Alana, but with Australian accents and oodles of entrepreneurial talent. In December 2019, they started Peach Pack with the grand goal of empowering women and female-identifying individuals by destigmatizing traditionally taboo topics such as periods, sex, masturbation, gender inequality, and so much more. Things began simply with an Instagram account, But shortly after, they began selling a curated monthly subscription pack filled with organic menstrual and self-care products. Eventually, they moved to the US to grow the business further. But then COVID hit, and unsurprisingly, it threw a real spanner in the works, a story we'll hear more about shortly. They've since pivoted back to focus on building their online community, and a podcast of their very own called Preach the Peach, in which they tackle the taboo topics that inspired them in the first place head on. Sage is the creative mind behind Peach Pack's innovative content. She has a real knack for business strategy and has been able to leverage her own social media influence to secure some amazing partnerships. Alyssa makes sure the day-to-day operations of the business are running smoothly. You'll often find her liaising with potential partners and brands or spearheading customer service. Together, they're working damn hard to have a real impact on women's health and equality through open conversation and community. I'll leave you now with Poppy, Sage, and Alyssa to tell you more about Peach Pack and the duct tape moments they've had along the way.
1: Hello, Sage, Alyssa. Welcome to the Duct Tape podcast. How are you both today? We're good, Good. thank you
2: for having (laughs) us.
1: Of course, so happy to have you and I'm so sorry we're having to record this remotely. For anyone listening at home for context, if the audio sounds slightly less crisp in this episode, it's because we've been uh, flummoxed by COVID lockdowns, we're out of the podcast studio and we're having to rely on the trusty or not so trusty internet, so fingers crossed it holds out for us. But this podcast is called Duct Tape for a reason, these things happen, sometimes you do have to change your plans, rely on a plan B to make it work. And here we are. So Sage, Alyssa, before we dig into some of your duct tape moments, I'd love to hear a bit more about the journey your business has been through, because I know it doesn't look the same today as it did when you started. I'd love Mm -hmm. to hear the evolution of Peach Pack. Mm -hmm. Where did it all begin? Yeah, so basically... To give some
2: context, Alyssa and I have been best friends now for over five years. We went on the same gap year program after school and that was really where our friendship blossomed and we were able to have really honest, vulnerable conversations with each other from the get-go and we would talk mm-hmm. about what it's like being females and periods and sex and, you know, just those chats that you want to be having with your best friend. So we had that with each other. And then when we got back to Melbourne after the gap year program, we continued having those conversations and we realized that a lot of people out there don't have access, you know, maybe they don't have someone to confide into. And there was like a real lack of conversation happening around these really important female taboo topics And so we realized we wanted to change that. And that's what gave birth to what we call like the ethos of peach pack. And that's kind of really central to the peach pack values. And so we started an Instagram page that focused on educating and having these conversations about these taboo topics. And then from there, we had a friend who told us about subscriptions and we were like, oh, wait, you know females and people with vaginas get a period once a month. That's a perfect subscription pack idea. You know, what if we created a really cute pack that included organic pads and tampons as well as like an assortment of self-care products to kind of pick them up during their time of month? And so we were doing that the packs for a while and then we'll definitely get into the evolution of the packs, but Because of COVID, we were selling the packs in the US and then had to come back to Australia, put that on hold. And so we really had to focus on what is the brand today? What do we want to focus on? And that got us to realign. And now it was kind of a blessing in disguise because we were really able to focus and hone in on the online community. Yeah. And then that also gave birth to our podcast, which we've just launched, which is basically a extension of the Instagram. And it's Alyssa and I going in hard on these really taboo topics relating to sex and masturbation and periods and all these lived experiences that so many people have gone through.
1: Awesome. Thank you for sharing that context. That's really, really useful. And it's interesting as well, because it sounds like you've almost gone full circle from being like a content and building community type business to then having a product and a subscription service and then coming full circle back to producing content Mm. and building community again so really interested to dig a bit more into it and we'll definitely come back to what the business is looking like now later on but I suppose to go back to the product side of things how did that journey start so you said you had a friend that talked to you about subscriptions and you're like cool maybe this is something we can do in this space how did it start and where did it go Yeah. It's so funny when I think back to that time period, because I know
3: we've been doing this now for, it must be like nearly four years, like three and a half years or so. So when it started in its early phases with the subscription packs, we were doing it all ourselves. I think we were like using my parents' office space at the time and got everything shipped there. We got like a thousand boxes from china some random company <laughs> designing them which was looking back like really dodgy and probably would never do that again but again we had no idea and we were just kind of winging it so we created this like mini production line i guess sage and i packaging everything ourselves dropping it off to us post i think also sage's mum was also helping us out with all of the delivery drop-offs which was really cute so that in its very early stages, that's what it looked like. And then we were lucky enough to take the business over to the US because subscription businesses over there are quite prolific. And we saw a gap in the market with menstrual services that were, or menstrual packs rather, that were um, offered as a subscription. So we took that there. And again, we're doing the same like production line ourselves. Obviously in the US, everything's that much bigger and quicker and yeah so it was a lot and we had a really great number of subscribers over there that was really exciting but yeah I think the key thing for us is it was just the two of us really doing you know we were the designers of the packs we were doing all the fulfillment ourselves we were reaching out to brands and partners to collaborate and be featured in these boxes so yeah it was like a one-stop show for a very long time and still is in many respects. Yeah, that
1: sounds very busy indeed. (laughs) You said you had lots of customers in the US. Was there was the reason for moving there because you, you were finding the Australian market wasn't taking off here or you were just like, cool, let's do it. Let's just try and see what's going on over there. Yeah. So initially when we launched
2: the packs, we launched it in Australia and we got a few subscribers and it was like doing quite well online. I guess the engagement was really good, but then When we looked on the back end, we saw that well over majority of our demographic was from the U.S. And so we took a step back and we were like, wait a minute, we're trying to sell a product to Australians when, you know, our biggest market actually isn't Australian Mm. people. And we were getting so many DMs from people in the U.S. being like, when is this coming Mm. to the U.S.? I really want to order this. And so we were fortunate enough That my brother lived over in the US and we were like, you know what? Why don't we just go spend a few months there, test out the market and launch Peach Pack over there? And that's what encouraged us to go and make the move. And then when we got there, we launched and I think in Australia, it took maybe like A month, I would say, to reach a hundred subscribers, something like Mm -hmm. that. But in the US, we reached a hundred subscribers in like the first day or two of the launch. Wow! It was (laughs) like,
1: yeah, it was clearly the right move to do. Yeah, wow! But brave move as well. It's uh, upping sticks and moving to another country Mm. um, to try and make a business work is is bold. Yeah, well done for that. Just out of curiosity, what do you think? uh, How how were you doing your marketing? Actually, I suppose my question is, what do you think made the difference with you being able to get those? 100 subscribers in a day from launch in America? Oh, I think we have
3: realized consistency is key. Like at the time when we started Peach Pack in Australia, we kind of were, I don't know, we'd post on Instagram. That was our main platform that we used for marketing and kind of did a few highlights and stories where we'd be packaging it. And then we'd ask our customers to definitely shout us out when they received the packs but just like everything in Australia, in comparison to the US, it's just a lot smaller. So the scale of customers, you know, sharing their experience mm. with the packs was smaller in comparison to the US. So when mm-hmm. we got to the US, we found that a a lot more people were willing to tag us. There was just more diversity in consumer engagement, I guess. And then also Mm. we did a bit of like influencer marketing, which helped us really grow and get the message out there a bit more. But yeah, over time, we've just really used Instagram as our main tool. We have played around with Facebook ads and stuff, but it just hasn't been super successful Yeah, I think Instagram Mm -hmm, and that form of marketing has been great for us.
2: Yeah. And I was just going to add, we have as well in the past used PR agencies. We've done six week launch campaigns when we've launched a certain pack, which has been great, but I will say that we have found the organic marketing to prove to be the best option for us Mm. and yeah, us reaching out ourselves to influencers us posting really consistently on our Instagram and newsletters. And that has proven to work best for us.
1: Interesting, interesting. Maybe a tip there to save your money to some founders. <laughs> yes, <definitely, yeah. laughs> it sounds like you were doing a lot of things yourselves as well. So another thing to add to the list, uh, yeah. PR experts too, by the sounds <laughs> of it. <things. laughs>
3: I will also add, I think people, I guess in this current climate, like authenticity is key. And I think people mm. I don't know why, even though the influencer marketing worked really well over in the U.S., there's something to say about it not necessarily working in Australia, like it just hasn't. Mm. I think people Mm. see right through it and they prefer, even if you do a form of like influencer marketing, it be like micro-influencer or someone that maybe takes on less, but has a really authentic brand voice. So yeah, that's just been another interesting comparison between the two markets. Mm
1: -hmm. And did you already have a community built up on your Instagram before you launched the product? Was there already a subset of people out there that were listening to what you were saying to do with the content stuff you were creating? So when you came out with a product, it was like, bam, here you go. Now we have this product. Mm -hmm. Or were you building that market from scratch?
2: Yeah, definitely. So we when we launched the Instagram and the online community and had that running for a few weeks, and before we launched the product. But the good thing about the US as well, I think that time period in Australia was much smaller. So we launched mm. the Instagram and the community and then within a few weeks we were selling the packs, whereas the US followers were engaging with our online community and with our Instagram mm. for quite a few months before being able to purchase the product. Yeah, I wonder if that played a role in the US market wanting to invest more in the product. Also Sage is being really humble, but she low key has a lot of followers. (laughs)
3: So that was (laughs) also a really good booster for us because she already has such a great like presence online. And I think people really do respond well to the content that she is putting out and trust her. So Mm. then it was like a double whammy being able to use that Mm. with the business we were launching because they already had trusted her. So it was a good extension.
1: Yeah. <laughs> An in-house influence. Yeah. <laughs> <Can't get> wrong. <laughs> so tell me what happened in America then? Because so far it sounds like things were going well. You'd moved the product from Australia to the US. You're having hundreds of subscribers sign up. People already knew about your community. They already wanted the product. It was already in demand. Obviously, you were, you're doing it all yourselves, mm-hmm. which sounds stressful. But where did it go from there?
2: Yeah, so... It was doing really well. And oh, yeah. then I guess we was, oh. we were there for probably two months and our subscriber base was growing. Everything was growing. It was all doing really well. And then COVID happened. <laughs> and so, yeah, for a while we were a bit in denial and we were like, it'll pass. It's fine. We'll just stick it out. And then one day, It just got to the point where like Alyssa, myself, my brother who we were living with and another friend who we were living with from Australia, we all got calls from our parents being like, it's time to get on a plane and come home. So yeah, we hopped on a plane, got home, had to quarantine and we committed to continuing to put the product out. And thankfully we had someone helping us pack the packs in the US. So Mm. she was still doing that for us. We were organizing from our end with US brands who were featuring in the pack, organizing that on our end, trying to deal with the time difference and whatnot. And then our friend was packing them. And then we were doing that for a few months and then we just realized it was too difficult to continue. Just, Mm -hmm. yeah, the resources, the time difference, not being there physically as well for us to pack our own packs. I think we just, the whole point, of our business and why we enjoy doing it is because we do it together and mm. it's so authentic to mm. us and so not being able to actually do it ourselves just felt a bit wrong and so we made the hard decision to put that on hold put the packs on hold but like I said there was a silver lining and we then came together and refocused and we're like where to from here yeah I think the interesting thing is as well having been forced back to move to Australia
3: when COVID hit. We could have technically brought the packs back to the Australian market and relaunched there, but I think there's something that, like, it felt that the podcast was the next extension of this brand. I think mm. we would come back to Australia and other brands were doing very similar things in terms of subscription offerings and period products and self-care products. So it felt like less revolutionary. Even though our brand, we think we're still a pretty like radical voice in this space. I think the product itself didn't feel like it was serving its need anymore. And that's not to say that when we do launch a product again, that it's going to be the same. Or, yeah, I think we just felt like it had reached its potential and it was what it was. And there's kind of a point that we learned with business is maybe just accepting that product for what it was and not what we wanted it to be if that makes sense
1: yeah totally and i think it's so interesting that you're building a brand rather than a product yeah. by the sound of things like mm-hmm. you you've got a bigger vision than this one thing and if that didn't work out for you the way you thought it might or because of covid then you've got all these other directions you can go in because actually a, a large asset pitch pack is that community that you have and the voice that you have and even right at the beginning of this conversation you were already mentioning things like ethos and values and all that kind of thing so it sounds like there's something so strong there that even if it's not the peach pack product that you're sending out it's it's always going to exist in some other form exactly and it's you two kind of working out what that looks like back in australia i suppose
3: yeah we had this really crazy period of we essentially were working on launching a marketplace and yeah i think One thing we have learned though over time is like juggling expectations and doing one thing and doing it properly at a time. And I think Mm. we were just like, you know what, the podcast is our baby for now. And then when it feels right, we will venture into that space. But this is what we're focusing on right now.
1: Yeah, I think that's great advice for other founders as well. I I know I speak to a lot of founders at Startup Vic and many of them are trying to juggle as you say 101 different things or try and choose the best thing to focus on or what's right for them now what advice would you have for other founders I suppose how did you know how was your gut telling you the podcast is (laughs) the one rather than these other things it's a great question
2: I feel like what has enabled Alyssa and I to persist and continue is knowing what is at the center of peach pack and I really don't want it to come across as like cheesy or lame but I think When you have built a foundation where it's like, we have a brand, we have a voice, we know exactly what this brand represents and what it stands for, then the type of product you create, like that can change, that can adapt, you know, that can exist however you want it to. But I think what is central and what people will really latch onto is the -hmm. values of the business. And so I would just say, I can't imagine entering something or starting a business Without that and without those foundations, Mm -hmm. I feel like it would be really hard to create something that's true to yourself and true to like what you think your friends and followers and people around you will will want to invest in. Yeah, just build something that you truly, truly believe in and that if you would invest in it and if you would buy that product or if you would join that community, I think that is like Mm -hmm. where everyone should start. Yeah, that's the perfect sign if you yourself would back that idea
3: or back that product. Mm. But, you know, just being really honest in that. Yeah.
1: And speaking of those followers and those people in your community, how did they react when you stopped Peach Pack? Did you find like you're having to tell customers in America, all those subscribers <laughs> that you you'd spent the time building up? How did you break the news to them that the, the product was changing or stopping for now?
2: Yeah, it was a sad day, but we just sent out an email to all the subscribers explaining the situation. And I think because, you know, it wasn't, not that it was an excuse, but everyone was feeling the weight of COVID during that time. And so I think it was just like people really understood what the situation mm. was. And so they were so respectful and so kind and mm. really appreciate that. But, yeah, we just had to tell them. And then we still get messages being like, how can I purchase the power like,
3: <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: no, we're not doing that.
3: <laughs> it Definitely, I feel like you have to fight against the instinct that, you know, it is so disheartening. You're working so hard to create something and mm. then – in a matter of weeks or months, it can just be utterly like, well, yeah, it just doesn't exist anymore. And I think it, it does weigh on you because you're like, oh God, well, I've spent like mm-hmm. three years or two and a half years at yeah. the time really building something, moving to the US and trying to launch it over there to then return to Australia and send out a bleak email to <laughs> customers mm-hmm. that, sorry, COVID, you know. yeah. But I think if one takeaway from COVID, it it is what it is, unfortunately. Like a lot of businesses have really had to pivot and change directions because of this pandemic. And I think in many respects it has been good because it it does force you to realign and repurpose and think Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. the core of your business and what you you stand for and what you want to do moving forward. But, yeah, that's not Mm -hmm. to say that it comes at the cost of
2: making some really hard and disheartening decisions. Yeah, mm. and also to add to that, I think most people would see those signs or you know, like COVID or that all these duct tape moments that come about and force you to question everything you're doing in the business. Those are the moments where you can either choose to give up mm. or the moment mm. where you choose to learn and adapt and continue to grow. And yeah, I think COVID is just one factor that has contributed to Alyssa and I mm. changing and adapting the business. And so my other piece of advice would be to just persist and continue and your business and your community and your brand is going to look different at every Mm. phase and that's totally
1: fine Mm. and yeah
2: just to continue
1: yeah, there's that saying, isn't there something like the only thing you can be sure of is that things will change mm. or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, um, exactly. It's constantly changing this world, isn't it, particularly at the moment. So I yeah. think that's great advice. A rallying cry from Sage <laughs> <Yeah>. about it, <laughs> looking to change their businesses these yeah. days. I know we'd spoken a little bit beforehand about a story you had when you'd moved back to Australia and uh, you were relying on other people in America to keep the business (laughs) running. A bit of a duct tape moment in there, I think. Uh, Would you be up for sharing that duct tape moment with us?
3: Yeah, 100%. We were speaking before and for Sage and I, this is like, we look back on this story and we're just like, oh my God, like (laughs) we were, well, not to say and, you know, be so hard on ourselves, but we were a bit dumb (laughs) and too trusting in people so in the US we created these cute little tote bags because we wanted to be more sustainable and ensure that people could repurpose the packs and they could take them and do something else with them other than just carry the period products and we worked with someone in LA that designed these bags for us and they were really really cute and we once we left the us he was still sending a certain amount to our offices it must be monthly to ensure that then the person packaging them for us had packs to pack
2: and it turned out we what was it sage like yeah so we got a message from our friend who was packing the packs being like we've run out of packs they haven't arrived And I was like, that's really strange. So I emailed our dude (laughs) because we were still paying for them as well. Yeah, we were still paying them, obviously. like I emailed him and I was like, our friend who's packing the pack said that the packs haven't arrived yet. And he claimed, he was like, oh, I have delivered them. And, you know, we have security cameras where we were packing the packs, like we had our friend check everything. She is also the most on top of it person, like so efficient and does everything so well she would know if the packs had been received Mm. anyway. And like a few weeks were going past and that was another frustrating thing was that we were here in Australia
0: Mm. and I had,
2: I would send him an email, but then he would be sleeping and then he'd respond. (laughs) And it was just like this back and forth. And we were like, we have customers waiting and the packs haven't arrived. We have cameras, you know, they weren't delivered to an external UPS or is that what they call like a drop off location? Drop off thing and we had paid for them. And eventually we actually got my brother to help us send like a pretty firm email to be like, can we have a refund? And he just kind of ghosted us and never got back <gasps> to us. And obviously we am not going to sue him or like we didn't have the funds or the money to like legally take action or whatever. Wow. But it was, I was just going to say
3: like, Context-wise, it was a lot of money. These were like organic cotton freaking tote bags that cost us like 800 US dollars to get him to make. Wow. Yeah. So we were forking out a lot of money for this and we were like, okay, so at least give us a refund. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Wow. I mean, you said, you said you were a bit dumb in retrospect, but it sounds like he was just a total dickhead. Like he just screwed you over. He was just a fraudster. Yeah.
2: A hundred percent. And I think when I reflect, I'm like, I think when Alyssa says we felt we were dumb is that it was more like, he made us feel like idiots by saying, mm. I have delivered them. I have delivered them kind of like yeah. Yeah, gaslighting us. And so I was like, wait, if he's saying he delivered them, maybe he did. But like, there was no proof that he did that. Mm. And just the fact that he made us question ourselves, yeah, it was like, it's the epitome of being taken advantage of as two young girls. <sighs> running a business
1: so that was a seriously good (laughs) learning curve definitely Uh, what would you say the the main learnings from it were how would you do business differently having had that experience
3: oh god Mm. I think I'd adopt a pretty hard line stance of everyone's out for themselves (laughs) no there's (laughs) really awesome people that we've come across but I think the reality is that you do have to really fend for yourself and you do have to Mm. keep your interests yeah at the back of your mind and just ensure that anything that you're entering into you have your eggs all sorted like Mm. all things covered I think the reality is for women in business in particular people expect certain things of you maybe you won't be as like Hardline about certain things and certain decisions, people think you may easily back down or you may be a bit compromising. And I think for us, mm. we're like, we're not going to play into that stereotype. Like, we want to be assertive, we want to be taken seriously. And if that means sending an uncomfortable email that is a bit authoritative to get mm. what we deserve, then so be it. But yeah, I think that was. really necessary learning curve for us
1: (laughs) (laughs) totally Uh, what about you Sage because I think this is really interesting to get your input on because I'm sure there's lots of women and women identifying founders out there that also feel that they aren't necessarily taken seriously Mm -hmm. or look a bit young or whatever the reason may be are finding it a little bit difficult to get along in the professional world
2: I think just to to back yourself like Mm. I think a lot of the rhetoric or narrative with women in business is that you know we need to fake it till we make it, which is true. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, every guy or male founder we've spoken to, they're also faking it. Yeah, they just have <laughs> you know the context and the background of feeling more encouraged to be more assertive. But at the end of the day, they're also like just winging it, and like they don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. So it's just like when you see everyone on an equal playing field you're like wait I can back myself and you know maybe Mm. I don't know what I'm doing but at least I can do xyz to get me like where I want to be and just to not question yourself or doubt yourself because yeah guys aren't doing that and so I would hate for female founders to when people do question them take that on really seriously because Mm. we can do it just as much as any other person
1: totally and I can back that up even just recording this podcast we've had uh plenty of men and women on here. <laughs> and they are basically all faking it till they make it. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. This is another thing about, like, women in business or in this type of industry. Like, I am questioning whether or not I'm, like, rambling or speaking too much or if I'm justifying what I'm saying too much, which is just – it just comes with being, like, a female in this mm-hmm. industry. But learning to be, like, confident and assertive is – Something I've really tried to hone in on the past few years.
1: Yeah, how have you actually done that out of curiosity? What kind of like tools or, I don't know, processes have you had to try and make yourself more assertive and not give in to that peer pressure of what a woman should or shouldn't be like?
2: I honestly think it's just time and experiences and the Mm. more meetings you go to, the more conversations you have, the more podcasts you do, the more of anything you do. Your confidence will slowly start to build up so yeah honestly like that is what has helped me and also having just like really honest conversations with those around me that are really supportive i think you know if Mm -hmm. i have a moment where i hear a judgment or i feel like someone's questioned you know my abilities speaking to someone to kind of put me in my place and be like Mm -hmm. i support you you need to support yourself it doesn't matter if that person questioned you or challenged you or whatever like just that reminder and support has been so important
1: yeah totally having someone in your corner to hold the mirror up basically yeah. and be like yeah that's the best that part it.
2: as well about being a co-founder i think just having that person to yeah so when you're having a shit day you can rely on them if they're having a shit day they can rely on you and just having that balance has been
1: so important and great for us yeah. Especially being best friends as well. Do you ever argue? Do you ever fall out? Or is it always good? <laughs> no, we definitely like. you don't have to answer that (laughs) no we I
3: I think it's really important because I think often people look at us and like oh my god so cute so nice (laughs) like we definitely have really hard conversations sometimes if one of us is feeling shit and we're projecting onto the other or if we have something that we want to raise that may be a bit like uncomfortable to talk about I think we've just decided that to ensure that we're you know showing up as our best selves in this like Mm -hmm. dynamic, we need to just be honest. And if that means sometimes having a really uncomfortable conversation or bickering a bit or having a bit of a fight to then resolve Mm -hmm. what the underlying thing is then I think that's really Mm. necessary so yeah we definitely have had little you know I wouldn't Mm. call them
2: fights they're just like we're both you know that people always say you want a co-founder that's in opposition to you I guess and can like Mm. bring different things but Alyssa and I are like so similar (laughs) (laughs) that we're both like people pleasers and really non-confrontational so that has been like one of the biggest challenges for us is learning how Mm. to be confrontational in a way that is not attacking or in a way that like we've built trust now with each other so it's like when you know Alyssa confronts me or i confront her we know where what the intention is and where it's coming Mm. from and it's not just because we want to pick a fight you know it's because we actually feel a certain way and want to move past it but it's so difficult (laughs) to be like that but it helps so much in terms of the relationship
1: yeah. You can't just let things fester in the background, no. can you? Because it's always going to come out at some point. So better to have a good system for communicating it and exactly. working through it than letting things explode. <laughs> 100%. So I suppose moving on to what you're up to now then. So the podcast, tell us a little bit more about, I suppose, the vision for the podcast, how it's going and uh, where it's at now.
3: Yeah. The podcast is something we're super proud of. It's something that's been a long time coming. We Put a lot of effort into really fleshing out who is our target demographic? Who is this audience that we are trying mm-hmm. to captivate? What are the messages we're wanting to put out to everyone? And I, I think at its core, it's, you know, what Sage was saying at the very beginning it's trying to destigmatize these issues around what it means to be a woman and issues around sex and masturbation and periods and
1: mm-hmm.
3: gender inequality. So It's kind of all-encompassing speaking about our experiences as being like two 24-year-old women and how we navigate through this weird and uncertain period in our (laughs) lives. And, yeah, we have been recording weekly and... I feel like there's nothing off limits. Like one week we may decide mm-hmm. to talk about female pleasure. The next week we may have a guest talking about gender inequality or about finance. I think that's the most exciting aspect for me, at least, is that it can be wide ranging in terms of the content we are covering. And I think it's been received really well from our community. I think people feel like this makes a lot of sense that we're doing this and that this is the current project we're focusing on. But yeah, it's just been an extension of the conversation Sage and I have all the time together, which is why I think it feels so organic and natural and just fitting that this is what we're doing right now.
2: Yeah, and I like what you said, probably about the full circle moment. I feel like I've actually, I haven't taken a step back to realize that, but it really is a full circle moment. Yeah, from the moment Alyssa and I met on Gap Year Program, we were having these conversations and now it's been four years, the, the business has looked completely different throughout the years and now we're back, you know, where it all began, just us mm. sitting in a room, having mm. these really honest, open conversations and I think that's why it's really resonating with people and with our listeners because yeah. they're tuning into something that comes so naturally and organically to us and to our relationship.
1: Yeah, totally. Because you're right, not every woman, man, child, whoever Mm -hmm. has that person that they can have those conversations with, do they? And it's different going to talk to your gp or trying to have a conversation with your mum or googling it on your own like they just don't really match up to having that person mm-hmm. that you really trust and you can just say all the stuff that you just <laughs> wouldn't want to say yeah. but that's also why I love it because you are saying all the stuff that you wouldn't want to say in a public forum in a public forum <laughs> yeah <that's> so true <laughs> for the benefit of others it's, it's great yeah we <laughs> like
2: record the episodes and we just go in because naturally like we're not afraid to say these things to each other and then it Mm. comes to uploading it the day of the upload and we're (laughs) like, Oh God, is this happening? Are we, are we really doing
3: this? No, my, um, like, I think seven-year-old grandmother listened to a oh. podcast about like female masturbation. And I was like, I know you're trying to be supportive, but please don't ever listen to an episode because it's just knowing your oh, demographic. No.
1: <laughs> yeah. How brave it is to be talking about topics that others shy away from, particularly in public forums, than having your 80-year-old grandma listening. (laughs) (laughs) 70, she'll actually probably listen to
3: this (laughs) and she'll be like, I am not 80. But yeah, she was trying to show support and listen to it. And, you know, I talk about pretty intimate things in that episode. Mm. And I'm just like, I do not need my grandparents to hear that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. I really love that they want to support me, but I'm just like, this is not the forum for you to do that. (laughs) But yeah, I think we've come to realize that in having these brave and honest and hard conversations not paying too much attention to mm. the people that aren't within our demographic and that may come at the cost of some like uncomfortable truths like my dad mm. saying you know peach pack seems like a bit of a porn thing going on right now and I'm like dad you know what you're not our audience so we don't care
1: <laughs> So yeah. yeah, that's so funny I think that's almost a duct tape moment in itself isn't it those those times where you could have given up because other people particularly people close to you in your lives are like oh what are you doing like to have the to have the guts to be like, nah, there's something in this and we want to keep going and you're not our demographic. We know who our customer is. Like, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. 100%. I love it. I suppose my last question is around the, the vision for the podcast uh, going forwards. I know you, you mentioned a few other things that you were thinking about doing in the future and your focus is very much on the podcast right now, but in, in terms of timelines, what what's the future for Peach Pack do you think?
2: So I think, yeah, the next few months is going to be building the podcast, continuing mm-hmm. to grow our listeners and our community. And I think one of the best things as well about podcasting is that we're able to build trust with brands mm-hmm. and sponsors that we really believe in. And so, like we said, we have a really grand vision of creating this one-stop shop which we shouldn't give too much information out but (laughs) being able to build those relationships with the brands from the podcast Mm. and having that trust and then you know using that for this one-stop shop is where it's all at but definitely for the near future it's just to continue to be consistent and put out good content that people will relate to and connect to
1: yeah wow I guess the last thing to say Jennifer, is just a massive thank you for your time this afternoon appreciate you uh, sharing so much with us and some of your advice for founders as well as some of your uh, duct tape moments which have mm. been amusing and <laughs> also kind of horrifying <laughs> to <Katie>. get <laughs> into the one around the guy who didn't turn up with the product that you pay for so thank you so much oh and thank you thank for you. having
2: us we really
1: appreciate it yeah of course thank you both so much and have a lovely afternoon thanks, thanks puppy,
2: puppy.
0: And that is it for another episode of Duct Tape. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. We'll be back next Tuesday with a new episode, but while you wait, go take a look at Peach Pack. The best place to find them is on Instagram, at Peach Pack. And once you've given them a follow there, head right over to their podcast, Preach the Peach, on Spotify or Apple. Since we recorded this episode, they've released 13 of their own, and... Honestly, it's like the very best of late-night sleepover D&Ms with your BFF, but with a level of honesty and maturity that is so refreshing and reassuring. It's a zero-shame zone to learn about and get comfortable with some of the trickiest topics and experiences that women deal with on the daily, and we highly, highly recommend it. For everything else from Duct Tape, including full transcripts of all of our episodes, hit up our website, ducttaped.co, that's duct T-A-P-E-D, dot .co. Duct Tape is a collaboration between Startup Victoria and Victoria University. An enormous thank you to Sage Mellet and Alyssa Karp for sharing with us today, to Poppy Truella, our terrific interviewer, and to the rest of the team, Judy Anderson, Hannah G, and Jordan Gianfrancesco. I've been your narrator, producer and editor, Lara Chan-Baker. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week with the next episode.